Well, if we could um, be upstanding for the reading of God's Word. There's only one verse we're going to read, so don't have to stand for too long. But if we could go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And I'm going to read, I'll read from both the KJV and NIV. Yeah, we'll read first from the, K, the King James Version. But it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In the other version it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. And I just pray, Lord, that you would use me and help me, Lord, to deliver your word. Help our hearts to be open to what you have to say. And Lord, be in our midst, we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. For freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen. He's given us liberty and that liberty has made us free. William Wallace, who you may have heard of, he was a Scottish freedom fighter. Uh, there was a movie, famous movie made about him by Mel Gibson called Braveheart. And in Braveheart, there was a line there that we cannot prove that William Wallace actually ever said, but it's a good line. He says, they can take our lives, but they can't take our freedom. And you see, William Wallace, he was a, he was a real person. He, he fought against the English that were invading Scotland. And he even made headway down into England as well in retaliation for, British, for English advances into Scotland. And he was a Celtic person being a Scot, a Celtic person. And the Celts were the original inhabitants of Ireland and Britain. And they were also right across Europe. They were in France and Belgium and in Central Europe as well. And, you, you know, you had different peoples across Europe. You had the Germanics and the, the Celts were always fighting against the Germans, according to Julius Caesar. And um, the word Celtic comes from a Greek word, meaning the, the Greeks were the first ones to call them Celtic people. They were kind of all related. They had different languages but they had similar culture and similar languages. And um, the word keltoi meant to be marked or painted because they were tattooed or they had um, paint on them when they would go to war especially. But one of the principles that was very important to Celtic societies was the principle of freedom. It was something that was pointed out as something that was inherently something very valuable to Celtic societies as opposed to, say, Roman or Greek societies. And the Galatians, who Paul was writing to here in the book of Galatians, even, go, even though Galatia was in Asia Minor, which is today what we know as Turkey, and so it was in the, the, the central part of Turkey, uh, what they call Anatolia today, that was where the Galatians were. They, that's where they lived. However, they were originally from Central Europe and from France. 
So what had happened is some Celtic tribes, three Celtic tribes had invaded a part of Greece and they were kind of, they'd lost that battle and then they were moved to Turkey. They were kind of given um, some refuge in Turkey because they had lost this war and then they'd made some deals or something like that. And so you had these Celtic people stuck in the middle of Asia Minor. Now, the Celtic people, these people would have looked a lot different to the people around them. So, Jesus was a Jew. We know he was a Jew. Amen. Pretty convinced of that. And Jewish people, you know, we see Jews today and obviously after the diaspora or diaspora, where they were scattered after the Assyrians invaded, the Babylonians invaded, then after the Romans had three wars with them after Jesus uh, died and rose again. We saw the first Jewish-Roman war where they destroyed the temple, the second temple in 70 AD. We had the second uh, Jewish-Roman war, which came soon after. And then we had a third uprising called the Bar Kokhba revolt, which was the last of the the Jewish uprisings and a million Jews were killed during this time. One million Jews were killed by the Romans during this period and after that last revolt the Romans you know they ransacked everything, they took everything out, all the religious um, stuff that the Jews used, all their sacred implements and they also expelled every Jew from Jerusalem. They were not allowed to enter Jerusalem after that time under Roman rule. And they changed the name of the area from Judea to Palestinia to disassociate the Jews from their homeland so that they wouldn't fight anymore. And they named it after their traditional enemy, the Philistines. And today we have the word Palestine, thanks to the Romans. <laughs> and so... These Celtic people, they would have looked different to Paul, who was a Jew as well. Now, Jews today, we see that, you know, sometimes they have light hair, light eyes. But Jews of this time, if we see something like a Yemeni Jew, a Yemeni Jew's very ethnically, you know, close to what Jews would have been at that time. Quite dark skin, you know, brownish skin, dark hair, dark eyes. Whereas the Celts... And the Galatians would have had light eyes, light hair, probably blonde, red hair, have light eyes, green, blue eyes. And sometimes in Turkey today, you see people with blonde hair. These are the remnants of these Celtic people that sort of stayed in Turkey. We see that Julius Caesar wrote about the the Gauls who were the Celtic people and some of these Galatians were actually Gauls, hence why they were called the Galatians, they were Gauls. And he, said, he wrote in 53 BC, finally, that it was better to be slain in battle, talking about these Celtic people, to them it was to be better to be slain in battle than not to recover their ancient glory in war and that freedom which they had received from their forefathers. So Julius Caesar was describing how important freedom was to Gauls and the Celtic people in general, or the Celtic people in general, however you want to pronounce it. Boston Celtics, not Boston Celtics, I guess. <laughs> they would prefer to die than to lose their freedom. They would prefer to die than to lose their freedom. 
This was the mindset the Galatians would have inherited, being Celtic people. And the Galatians would have, as we said, looked very different to Paul. These were like weird-looking people, stuck in the middle of Asia Minor, surrounded by people of Greek origin and Hittite origin that looked nothing like them. But Paul knew his audience. He knew what aspects of the gospel he could focus on and appeal to to get the best response from his audience, to get the best result to whoever he was writing or speaking to. You know, the church, the church is a haven for freedom. Amen? As Paul wrote in Galatians, we are set free for freedom's sake. Amen? And the church, you, people, you are the church. Point to your neighbour and say, you are the church. You are the church. We are the church. The people, this is the Narara Community Centre. This is where the church meets. But we are the church, amen? And the church should be a haven for freedom. We are no longer under the yoke of bondage, the yoke of slavery. Now Paul was talking literally there primarily about the slavery of the law of Moses. But he's also alluding to, in elsewhere in the book of Galatians, about the law of sin and about sin. We are free from sin, the bondage of sin, the slavery of sin. Now, when we come into church, we should feel safe, amen? We should feel free. And that doesn't mean we're free to sin. It means we're free from sin. Turn to your neighbour and say, free from sin. But also we need to make sure that we're not in the business of control or intimidation. You know, some churches are, and I don't, I don't want to use this as a, as a bash up the other churches or anything like that. But there, there are some churches, as soon as you walk in, they go, bank details. We'll set up your um, automatic transfer of your tithes. You won't even get a choice. Or some, you know, they'll hound you. We're, I mean, we need to follow up, amen? We need to follow up. When someone's not been at church, we want to make sure that we follow up, that we give them a call, that we see, are you okay? Is there anything you need? Can I pray for you? Are you going through a hard time? And that's fine. But if they say, leave me alone, don't talk to me anymore, leave them alone. <laughs> don't talk, respect their wishes. We're not in the... We're not trying to make slaves. Amen? People are free to come. They're free to go. That's the beauty of church. It's a haven. It's sanctuary. It's not a prison. It's not like you come into church today and we'll lock those doors, brother Pete. Don't let them out. We can choose for ourselves, but we can also be supported and support one another in our walk with God. Amen? We can't wipe out every negative comment about the church. We can't like set up some sort of propaganda campaign or censorship campaign. We're not the Chinese Communist Party. No one's... <laughs> Don't hack my phone, please. We can't wipe out and censor every criticism online. 
The early church suffered the exact same thing. They were criticised. Misinformation was told about the church. Mis misinformation was spread ag against the church. They, they said that they were eating people's flesh when they were having communion. They were saying things like this against the church. They were calling Paul all sorts of things. And there was all lies and misinformation. However, the church grew and the truth spread. The more that the devil tried to attack the church with lies and misinformation, the church grew and gained stronger and the truth spread. Amen? When the church has been attacked and misinformation is coming against us and lies are spread about us, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't try to, you know, censor everything that's out there. But understand that God is with us. Amen? And despite the lies of the enemy, we will grow. Amen? We will have victory. We will see the church grow. The more that we are pressured, the more that we are persecuted, we will grow. Amen? What does Galatians 5.13 mean? This is where Paul's telling the Galatians not to use their freedom to choose to follow sinful desires of the flesh. If we go to Galatians 5.13, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty or freedom. Only use not freedom for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another. So we've been called to freedom, but not to use that freedom for an occasion to the flesh or for sin, but we should use it to serve one another. Amen? We need to obey the Spirit by serving each other through love. This is what living by faith produces. Even the law could be summed up with service to one another. Obviously, it's to love God first, and to love your neighbour as yourself. That's service. Service to one another. To love your neighbour as yourself. So it's not about freedom to sin, but about freedom from sin. And freedom to serve. Sin is the prison. Sin is what? Sin keeps us in slavery. We become slaves to sin if we slip back into those things. The world is in slavery to sin. They can't help it. They get up in the morning and it just it's what they're prone to do. They don't even know any other way. All they know is the way of sin. Amen? Heard a great thing that was saying when somebody... I'm jumping right off here, but it was just something that popped in my head. When I thought of the world, and you know, one of the, the common questions that you're confronted with as a Christian will be, if God is real, why is there so much evil in the world? And the and don't answer that question, but rather give them a question back and say, what makes you say that there's evil in the world? What is evil? How do they determine what is evil? The problem of evil being in the world isn't just our problem. It's their problem too. And if they understand that there is evil and they're telling you there's evil in the world, then who determines what's evil and what's good? It can only be God that does that. Amen? If there's evil, then there's got to be good. And if there's a devil, there needs to be a God. If there's evil, there needs to be a good force as well. And that just proves even more so the fact that evil does exist, that there is a God, that there is moral right and wrong. We can't determine that as humans. 
because we've all got different ideas on what that is. So we need to make sure that we have freedom from sin in Christ. Martin Luther King famously said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Amen. I am free from sin and I'm grateful and thankful that God took me out of that darkness into his marvellous light. Are you thankful for that tonight? If you've been delivered from sin, slavery to sin, and now you're free from sin and free in him. Have you been struggling with some things that have dragged you back into that slavery of sin? Have you, you know, started tying that yoke back on your shoulders? You know, when people say yoke, it's not like an egg yolk. It's like a big wooden bar that goes across the shoulders of a beast of burden, something that's carrying a burden. We don't want to tie that yoke back on us. Do you need strength? As the devil is trying to lasso those chains and bonds onto you again. Are you at some sort of crossroads where you need to make an important decision? Where temptation is lying at your door perhaps, just like it did with Cain. Are you struggling with something tonight? If you, need to, if you need Christ, if you've never experienced freedom in Christ, tonight you have an opportunity to experience that freedom, amen, that freedom from sin. We want to help others, though. If we've been freed, if we've been given freedom, we're free for freedom's sake, amen? We've been freed from sin, free from the law, free from condemnation, Free from these things so that we can help others to be free. For those that are now trapped in the shackles of sin, those that are without hope, we are free so that we can free them. The book of Galatians, as I said, advises on some obvious freedoms. Freedom from the law. We're no longer, yes, we're under the law of the Spirit. Yes, we need to make sure that we obey His commandments. But thank God we don't have to remember 613 of them. Thank God you can go for a drive on a Saturday and not have to worry about your neighbours coming with some stones and throwing them at you. Thank God you can have bacon <laughs> and prawns and even hamburgers because under the law you can't mix cheese and meat. But thank God... Amen. We're set free from the law of sin and death. We're set free from the yoke of bondage. We don't have to get circumcised on the eighth day. We are circumcised in our hearts when we're baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And our hearts, if we've repented of our sins, our hearts are then circumcised. That uncleanness is taken out of our hearts. So we're free from the law. We're free from sin, as I said. Those, that bondage of sin is cut free when we're baptised and filled with His Spirit and filled with the Holy Ghost. We can overcome sin and we have freedom in Christ. We're free in Christ. Amen? He gives us freedom. We have liberty in Him. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But there is one freedom that's not necessarily explicit in the book of Galatians, but it is implied. And that is the freedom to evangelise. We're free to free others. In 1 Corinthians, though, Paul writes in chapter 9, verse 19 to 21. 
And we can turn there if you want. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Service. For though I am free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Say, gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. Paul was a Jew, but he'd been made a Christian, set free from their laws and their customs. But when it came to ministering to them, he knew how to relate to them. That I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law. That I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, the Gentiles, as without the law. Be not without law to God. So even though we're not under the law, it doesn't mean we're lawless. It's not like we're free from any law to God, but we're under the law of the Spirit. The law of Christ. Under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without the law. Paul is saying that he made himself a servant of all people. If we want to win people, if we want to love people, we need to serve. We need to serve people. We need to be a servant. Not out there having road rage, <laughs> telling people off at the traffic lights. Easy to do, don't worry, I've been there. But we need to be a servant to all. Just like Christ made himself a servant of all. So Paul also learned that his best strategy to win the lost was to take on servanthood. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, it says, Let this mind be in you. Turn to your neighbour and say, Let this mind be in you. Remember, they said that to you as well. So it's not just their responsibility which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Say form of a servant. This was God manifest in flesh. And yet he took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We are free to evangelize. The word evangelize comes from the, the Greek New Testament word evangelizo. Is that right? I hope I got that right. I don't know. I've got uh, Sister Frida to correct me. But the first time this exact word is used in the New Testament is in Matthew 11, verse 5, where it says and that the blind receive their sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. Remember, he's preaching this in a synagogue and he's talking about himself and he's blowing their mind. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That word, the gospel preached to them, that one, two, three, four, five words is one word in the Greek. Evangelizo. Evangelizo. How do we say it properly? Nah. <laughs> I even went on Google Translate to get Miss Google to tell me how to say it properly. It was something like evangelizo. Evangelizo which means literally gospeling. Gospeling. 
the, the act of spreading the gospel, the act of speaking the gospel, preaching the gospel. They only need one word. We need five of them in that sentence to get across the meaning of evangelism. But that's the first time we see it. Evangelism. It's preaching the gospel. It's gospeling. Spreading the good news. Good newsing. We need to be free from fear. Free from procrastination. Free to share this good news. Amen? You need to feel free to share this good news. Free to evangelize. Turn to your neighbor and say you're free. You're free. Now point to yourself, I'm free to evangelize. I'm free to do some gospeling. Freedom is defined as the power to write, uh, the power or right to act, speak, or think without hindrance or restraint. Without any hindrance or restraint. That completely wraps up everything Christ has done for us. There's only one thing left for us to do, and that's to live, to live this freedom. Amen. And in Galatians 5:1, we need to live that. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul knew how to relate to people, like I said. He became a servant to them and he addressed them where, to, where they were at. He knew how to get on someone's level, how to be a Jew to the Jew, how to be a Gentile to the Gentile, a Greek to the Greek. He knew how to approach people on their level. And we see this in the book of Acts in chapter 17 when he's on Mars Hill. He goes... I can see, he sees all these idols there. You know, they probably had an idol to this God and that God and all the, you know, the gods that you see in mythology and what's that kid's name, Peter something or other. Um, and what is it? I don't know, whatever that movie is. Um, but all these Greek gods were there and he's looking for a way in. He could have just started off with like, oh, you Greeks, you bunch of idolaters, you're all sinful, you're going to hell, look at you, you losers. He does touch on it though, he says, you're superstitious. He says, I can see you're a bit superstitious. And then he looks for his way in. He looks for common ground and he finds the, the plaque that's made to the unknown God. And he goes, here's my... Here's my way in. Here's my common ground. Here's something that I can use as my prop, as my leverage to get across to these Greek people in Athens. And so he preaches to them. He says, for as I passed by, I beheld your devotions. Yeah, he's, he's like, wow, you're very superstitious. You're very devoted. And I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. You don't know who you're worshipping. Him declare I unto you. He's this unknown God you know nothing about. I'm going to tell you about him. He's better than all those other gods you got. All those other gods that are deaf, dumb and blind. I'm going to preach to you about this God. The God you ignorantly worship. But Jesus was his example. Not only the God that he was preaching to them about, but he was his example, Paul's example. Jesus was firm when he needed to be. He was straight when he needed to be. But he could relate to anyone. He could relate to a fisherman, a farmer, a Roman soldier, 
a rabbi, a harlot, a tax collector. It doesn't matter what your background is, Jesus can relate to you. Amen? And that means we too, with the power of God in us, we can relate to anyone. If we allow God to use us, we can relate to anyone. Because we have Jesus as our example as well. And we have the power of the Holy Ghost so that we can relate to others. He gives us power to be witnesses. In Acts chapter eight, chapter 1 verse 8 it says, But ye shall receive power, famous scripture. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. And they would have been like, yeah, yeah, well, I know people in Jerusalem. They're my peeps. I get along with people in Jerusalem. That's easy enough. In all Judea, yeah, I'm a Jew. Judea is the land of the Jews. So, you know, they, that works. I can get along. You know, there's some areas of Judea I don't like, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get by. We'll be able to do that. I can be a witness there. And in Samaria, hey, 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 hey. Those Samaritans, they're, they're half-breeds. They're mixing, mixing their religions up. They're, they're not quite with us, you know. They're a bit dirty, you know. They're like semi-dirty. I don't know about that. And then unto the uttermost parts of the earth. What are you talking about, Jesus? Where are we going with this? But we see that the apostles finally, when they got that message, they were told this message, but it took them decades, it seems, to get it. We see tradition tells us that Thomas went to India. But who were the first people that these apostles, whenever they went to India, Egypt, Ethiopia, Armenia, all these places that we're told, Rome, we see Paul went to Rome, all these places that they went to preach the gospel, the first people they would go to were the Jews. Because <laughs> there were Jews living everywhere by this time. And so they would approach the Jews first before they would reach out to the Gentiles. But eventually we saw that it was the Gentiles that took hold of the gospel anyway. And Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. He even said, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. You know, when you see the, the prisoners... Escape from prison, you know, you've seen the movies like prison break type movies where they, somebody sort of figures out how to get out of the prison, you know, maybe the, the keys are, you know, sort of sitting on the, the hook over there and they get the, the long stick and they put it through the prison bars and they're about there and they get the keys and they drop the keys on the ground and they get the stick and they drag the stick closer and closer to the, the prison bars and then finally they can grab the keys and they stick it around and through and they unlock their gate and then all the other prisoners are in the other cells. If they just took off, <laughs> but if they're good, good guys, <laughs> they're going to grab those keys and start unlocking all the other gates. Pity if all those other guys are psychopaths. But, <laughs> but it's like that. We're, if we've been trapped in that prison of sin, behind the bars, in the, the yoke of bondage of sin, and condemnation, and we've, we've, and Jesus has come and set us free and opened that door for us. He that the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. We need to help others to be free, amen? That they can ask Jesus to unlock the door 
and allow them to get out of their prison and out of their sin and set them free also. We are free to evangelise. Amen? We need to be free. Don't be afraid anymore. I'm talking to myself half the time here. Maybe you're you guys, you, know, you never get afraid. You never get a fear of rejection. You're never afraid of what people might say when you tell them about your testimony. Maybe you don't care if you invite someone to church and they tell you to beep off. <laughs> Maybe you don't care about what people think or people say. Well, praise God for that. Because we all want to be like you too, amen? We need to be like you. We need to be without fear. We need to be free to evangelise. And not just free from those fears, but free from the mundane, free from the day-to-day -day that can just sort of take up our time, take up our mind, and we start to think of other things. You know, we just go about our day and we forget that we're in contact, that we're coming across people that need Jesus Christ, that need to be set free too, that are walking around in a prison of sin and we are just letting them go by in our lives. Sometimes God puts people in our paths and we forget why God has put this person in our way because we're the person that can reach them. We're the person that can help them. We're the person that can minister to them. We're the person that can serve them. Serve them and be a servant to them and see them set free from and be free. If I could get the musicians to come, praise the Lord. If we could be upstanding. If you've never really given your life to God, this is an opportunity to make a commitment to Jesus, to, to ask God to help you to, to live for Him and to repent of your sins, to turn away from your sins. And we can even pray for you to receive the gift of the God, Holy Ghost. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. Maybe you've never been baptised and had your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord, just like they did in the Bible. We can do that as well. Or maybe you've had all that done. You've been baptised in Jesus' name. You've been filled with His Spirit. But you find it difficult. You, f you don't feel free to share the gospel with others. You feel fear or you feel like things are getting in the way. You feel like maybe you're just too busy or you're just too tied up with other things or your mind's preoccupied with other things. Maybe you're scared what people might say. Maybe you, you fear too much about what people would think or maybe you think you're not good enough for it. Maybe you think, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to win people to the Lord. I don't know enough to try and reach others. You know who wins more people to the Lord than anyone else? Newcomers. The ones that know the least win the most. It doesn't matter how much you know, as long as you know Him. Amen? As long as you know Him. Yes, it's our responsibility to know the Word of God. And we'll become better at this and when we need to disciple and train up others. But don't let what you know hold you back from being able to reach others. Because you've got a testimony, amen? You've got a testimony. No one can argue with a testimony. No one can say to you, well, I don't believe your testimony. Well, 
That's pretty hardcore. <laughs> Called me a liar. But if you've got a testimony, you've got power. You've got power to reach others. Amen. You've been made free to free others. You've been made free for freedom's sake. Amen. And if you want to ask God to help you to overcome these fears, to help you to be a better evangelist, to help you to reach others, if you need to pray for others so that you can have a way in, so that you can reach them and ask God to help you to reach people that you work with, family members, friends, whatever it may be. Maybe you've tried in the past and it didn't work. Maybe it went south. Maybe it turned into an argument. Maybe it didn't really work out the way you envisaged. Ask God for another opportunity. Ask God to open that door again. But come and spend some time with the Lord. If there's someone you want to reach, if there's somebody that you need to reach in your life, if you want to reach more people, if you want to be an evangelist, if you want to be free to, to do this gospeling, come and spend some time at the, at the foot of the cross. Come and spend some time at this altar and, and just give it to the Lord and ask God to help you. If it's, if it's fear of man, well, fear of man is a snare, it's a trap. God can set you free from that tonight. If you need Jesus, come and spend some time with the Lord. This altar is open.